This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Let me get to the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio this evening. Uh, two veterans, two regulars who we love having on here. Uh, first, ladies first today, Sandy Shaw, who is the co-host of City Matters on Cable 14 Wednesdays at 12, 4, and 6, a former winner of the... Um, Women of Distinction. You got Hamilton it. Women right, of Distinction. Yeah. Uh, she's involved in all kinds of stuff. Sandy, thanks for doing this. Nice to be here. And I just thought, I could I say hello to a couple of special fellows? Of course you listening? can. It's usually uh, Friday. It's usually uh, Nan's night. So tonight I'm here, but I want to say hi to my grandsons, Hawksley and Levon. Hawksley and Levon. Yes. You, musical names. No kidding. They're no musical. Kidding. They have musical pedigree. Yes. Absolutely they do. So, hi, guys. If they, if it's Nan. Be if good. You have, if you have any more grandchildren, will there be one named, like, Angus Young? <laughs> there could be. And maybe Getty. Will there be a Getty? That's actually Gary. Gary Weinrib is the real name uh, for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, does Levon sell cartoon balloons in town? No, he does wondering. not. Oh, okay. He's like Levon Helm. <laughs> okay. He's, but Levon is, you know, he's he's got, uh, he's got he's got some attitude, so I'd be careful. <laughs> yeah. you know, I will be. Good morning. <laughs> I want to ask you, though, because, you know, when Luke and I were talking last night about the, the uh, they, we were talking about names. The, the uh, Western Hockey League had their draft, and the draft is loaded with 16-year-old boys whose right. parents gave them names that no one can possibly spell. It's and true. the the oddest one was a boy, we're not sure how you pronounce his name. It was just K R Z. Right. Whoa. Right. And we're thinking it's either Chris in like the worst spelling ever, or the coach of Duke basketball, his last name is Shashevsky, it's Polish and it starts K R Z. So it's either Chris or it's Sh. And we're not really sure which one it is. <laughs> There's but a lot of names. Can anyone out spell there. Hoxley and Levon? Hoxley gets, a, he gets, yeah, Levon's easy, but sometimes it gets pronounced Levon, but Levon is how it is. And Hoxley, he can spell it really well. Yeah. Uh, has anyone ever it. asked if his name is Hockey? No, but okay. he gets Hawk sometimes. Hawk, all right. Well, Hawk. Yeah. Hawk. The Hawk. Cool. The, the Hawkster. Well, that's where it kind of comes from. My daughter's oh. a big fan of the band. Okay, so the there you go. We call the Hawks before there they were. Right? Well, so. that, exactly. is, that is Sandy Shaw. Next to her, the voice you're hearing, the male voice you're hearing, Jamie West, the executive producer of this show, a longtime host of, I don't know, 30 or 40 shows here on CHML. One time, once upon a time, back far enough, CHCH. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, the president, Way founder, and... Well, Chief all, bottle washer. Of, of uh, West Pro <laughs> Media. If you uh, may see signs occasionally up on billboards or whatever else, you're, you're... Yeah, give me a wave if you drive by the sign. That's right. You, give me a call. If the sign waves back... <laughs> That's right. <you're> maybe <laughs> you should back off the pot a little That's bit. That's right. <laughs> 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 Thanks for having me back on the show. Hey, I'm, was, I'm uh, surprised you would let me back on after the last time, but thank you for this. Well, Ooh, I'm just... Is a, it controversial? I don't recall I can't being, remember, uh, <laughs> but it's always Maybe that's the problem. Yeah. Um, no, it was, it, it was always great, although I'm surprised that actually both of you guys got here considering half of the roads apparently in Hamilton. Yeah, it's okay. My uh, Johnson shut down. My, my Johnson 30 horse uh, outboard was working fine. So I got here in no plenty kidding. of I'm time. glad you finished that sentence. Um, but <laughs> oh, <dear>. no, it's, <laughs> uh, but Kenilworth access is closed because of a mudslide tonight. Yeah. Uh, Sherman access, the west side is closing Sunday for rainfall repairs. I, I'm looking around when I hear these things and all I'm thinking is our city is falling apart. Honestly, it, uh, how many how many road took things? a rainstorm to figure that out? It's just a Come good on. reminder. I, I honestly, I, I mean, with all the we're, we've talked for months, we're not going to talk about LRT. I promise, we're oh, not going to talk about thank LRT. You. I'm leaving then. But <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all we know. <laughs> that's all I'm here for. But we're talking about spending billions of dollars in infrastructure. But we still have billions of dollars of infrastructure that needs to be done in oh, the city. Yeah. And I have. Yeah. Uh, this is just a reminder today when you hear these things. I have no clue how we're going to deal with this. None. 
billions yeah, it, of dollars. Yeah. And it keeps growing. That de- that de- the, the infrastructure deficit keeps growing, and it's substantial. I can't remember, but it's billions. It's three point, the, it was $3.3 billion yeah. the last I recall. This is going to take, I think, <clears throat> honestly, this is going to take some federal government intervention to build up cities mm-hmm. like ours. This... this um, you know, this game that goes on, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, between our municipal uh, council and the provincial government and, you know, e- even part of the LRT discussion has been around, uh, can we trade that money in for something else? And, 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 you know, part of the proponents of LRT are, well, let's go ahead and do this because that's the way to get some a lot of our infrastructure fixed, or at least some of it. And that's a pretty good argument to make. But I think at some point, it's going to take the federal government opening up the purse strings just to say, look, our cities in Canada, like Hamilton, are falling apart. We've got to, we've got to spend the money and do it. No different than your house, right? You can only let the roof go for so long. Right. Patch it for so long. And then you've got to say to yourself, well, we don't have the cash on hand necessarily to, to do that. So what do you do? You have to borrow the money. You've got to figure it out because you've got to stay dry. But Sandy, it still comes out of the same pot. It's still coming from the taxpayers' pockets. Yeah. Well, we're just we're getting nailed one way or another, regardless right. of what level of government. That's right, and I would say you know the federal government uh, Trudeau T two we like to call him. Uh, he ran on a on a, a city's agenda, and there is pledged infrastructure dollars, not only for affordable housing but for infrastructure. Just like really, in, when when uh, Harper was in in office, and we had that recession, so there's a lot of infrastructure money that came our way. But these are one time, one off shots, and I agree with what you're saying that this is an ongoing need. And Hamilton is a particularly vulnerable for a couple of reasons. One is that we are an older city. I mean, we talk about Kitchener, Waterloo, and some of these cities, but we have, you know, we have sewer pipes that are made of wood in Hamilton. So mm-hmm. we are an old city. Also, we're a city that is built on a peculiar geography. So we have the escarpment. So we've been, you know, b- bulldozing the escarpment. We built, a, you know, we built an expressway on a creek bed. So we've done some odd things with the geography, and that's coming home to roost as well. That guess what? The escarpment's saying. I'm here to remind you that I'm the edge of a cliff, and the Red Hill Creek is here to remind you that the water wasn't told that there's right. not supposed to be yeah. running here anymore, yeah. right? So, no, that's a good point. the The other thing I was going to mention is is the uh, tax base. <clears throat> you know, we're way behind in, in Hamilton with business tax base. You know, most of the tax burden falls on Resident. the residential sector. So while you know we have a lot of things to celebrate in this city with uh, with new business, a lot of it's small business. You know the 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 big industrial taxpayers of the past were footing the bill for a lot of this stuff, and that's long gone. I think I don't know what the ratio is now, Sandy. Maybe you know better well, than I'm I do. I guess sometimes that's pretty good, but I think it's like seventy percent. That's what I, yeah. I was going to say. Sixty, but seventy is even higher. Yeah. But there's one other big problem with what with what Sandy just said. Not that you're not wrong. I'm saying the problem is. When you talk about how the Trudeau government came in with an infrastructure, let's build up cities. Kretchen did that too in 93. But what's the thing, what's the kind of infrastructure they want to build? They don't want to do maintenance on old no, things that nobody the notices. Glory. They want new right. buildings where we can cut ribbons and we can have pictures and we can put up plaques. Who wants to do pipes and repairing yeah, bridges? Yeah, it's not politically sexy. There's nothing yeah. exciting about that. So all the problems, we can build all the new stuff we want. The LRT, I'm not going to mention it, but again, it's a perfect <laughs> example of here's something that you can attach a plaque to and say the Kathleen Wynne government Build that train. But mm-hmm. what about all the people in the north end and in this east end who we've heard again, their basements are full of water. Why, why can we not handle 
the stuff we need to fix before we go on with sexy new shiny baubles. Doesn't make any sense, does it? No, and and it's funny if the LRT. I I. I'm mentioning the LRT. Sorry, Scott. But Everyone the, gets allowed, is allowed one I minute. mentioned okay. it once, too, so <laughs> no need mention. to apologize. But it kept being, what is this, like it's a breathman, it's a candyman. It kept being, it's about economic development. So the whole concept of LRT, which hopefully will be true, well, it's an economic uptick. So it will provide the kind of development uh, uh, taxes that will relieve the burden on the on the homeowner. But it was also then, all of a sudden, at some point, it became... An inf- a way to get infrastructure, and it's an it's kind of a sad way to get at the infrastructure deficit, which it is yeah. like let's deal with this head on directly, not as in, in sort of a and and it's a bad t- and and back to the, the the whole thing about the um you know the tax base, it, it's just a bad timing thing. We I think for a long time we kind of just rolled the dice and just because you can't see those pipes underground what you can't see you just ignore and you hope that it'll hold and yeah it's you like know. when something's bothering you but you don't want to go to the doctor in it, case they yeah. give you some bad news let's it, just right. pretend it's not right. there maybe yeah. it'll go away exactly and i think that again it's just bad luck that we our renaissance is happening that's the good luck part but it's not happening in sync with the timing that, to get those business tax dollars mm-hmm. in here in time to fix those pipes. Well, there's one other thing that, honestly, I, I've looked at for years. Ever since I've moved to Hamilton, I came here as an adult. I came here as a young adult. And one thing that's always driven me a little bit nuts is that how often, and both of you would remember even better than me, how often have we voted in MPPs or MPs who are not in the governing party? We always seem to be out of kismet with the, with the party that's in power. If the Conservatives win, we have no Conservative members of Parliament or members of Provincial Parliament. If the Liberals are in, we vote in a bunch of NDPs. We never have, it seems, or very seldom, the proper representation. Except, except for back in 93 when we had Sheila Copps and, you know... It was I, like, I said, it's very rare. Yeah. We seem and, to always but, be out of lockstep with the governing party. But that's the last time, and, and our callers can correct me if, if I'm wrong, but I, that's the last time I remember anything happening with city infrastructure. Um, you know, fixing up roads, mm-hmm. fixing up overpasses, fixing up, you know, doing all of this kind of stuff. That was the last time I remember that, that distinctive program. So Sandy, is it time it's for people time in ago. Hamilton to look at the polls? Now I know that we saw in the last U.S. election, polls aren't always right, but to look at the polls before the next provincial election well, and, and see if one party is way ahead, say, I may have to hold my nose, but for the betterment of this city, we should all vote them in so we have representation in this city and can get some stuff done. Yeah, well, the whole concept but, of strategic voting works, doesn't work. There's a, lo- there's a lot to talk about there. But if you were to look at the polls right now, we should be voting NDP because at this point, the Liberals are historically low. Like, I think Wynne is in the... T- is she in the single digits if the last time I looked? And so, um, you know, maybe you're right, but you'd have to have a crystal ball to predict what the what the governing party is going to be. But let's say we, many people believe the conservatives will win the next provincial election. Mm-hmm. So let's say that the polls a week before the election says the conservatives are up by 10 percent. Mm-hmm. Would it not be wise for a lot of people, even though they may be staunchly on the left, to look at it, city building people, and say, it kills me to do this. Right. But we need to have somebody in office who is going to represent and lobby for us. Or, by the same token, if if the NDP is way ahead, the people who are on the right side of the of the political agenda say, it would. I never th- said I would vote NDP, but we need to do this right. to seems to me we always are the oppositional votes here in Hamilton, and we always pay for it. 
We always end up being yeah. the city that gets nothing because we've never elected the right yeah. people. I, you know uh, right people, party wise. I mean, right? I don't know. You know, I'd have to look back. I don't know if that's exact. It seems it seems like that may be the case, but I don't know that that's exactly true. Like you'd hate to imagine. How would be so cynical of you to say that you only get money in your riding when you have an elected official in government? I've never heard of such a <laughs> thing. No, 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 no one's don't ever heard of that. Don't even speak of it, you cynical Radley. You. No, no one's ever heard of something like that. Uh, that's, uh, but, it's, but there's something to be said for <laughs> Hamilton. Let's not talk about infrastructure. Let's talk about that's something um, charming about Hamilton because Hamilton is a is a rebel kind of town. Has been, you know. As I heard someone say Hamilton was punk roll punk rock before punk rock was even invented. So there's something about Hamilton that I like the idea that they're prepared to vote their conscience, which is something that's you know you don't see often in certain. You know, Voting so your conscience yeah. is a lovely thing, and I agree with it 99 When the roads aren't rotting. Right. Sometimes, I hate to say it, you may have to not, right. not go against a core belief of right. yours. I'm not asking or suggesting people abandon what they truly believe about life and liberty and everything else. But if it's just a political thing and you say for one term in office, if we can get an extra, what if, what if we vote someone in, go with the party that gets elected and it means another billion dollars coming into the city of Hamilton? Yeah, we could build another stadium. We could build four turn stadiums. It, turn it around, another Let's, 180 degrees. Just build one big one for a billion and put it right where the Tim Hortons field is now. Don't make sure it goes in the same location. I would just put a dome over it. Let's have a retractable roof Let's over it. Put a it. dome over the city. That would <laughs> keep the rain out. I will vote for that. It'd be like that TV show, Dome, I think. Isn't it called Dome? Anyway. Don't know. Quick break. Back after this on the Scott Radley Show. Stay with us. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Maybe I missed this before, or maybe this just came out of the blue, but Mayor Fred Eisenberger has announced that he is raising or trying to raise $250,000, privately, I understand, to get a big Hamilton thing in front of Hamilton City Hall like they have at Toronto City Hall in Nathan Phillips Square. They had Toronto that got put up for the Pan Am Games. <sighs> and so, not now, thankfully, from what I can tell here, it is private sector funding only. So it's not going to come out of tax dollars. <laughs> But the idea is that we're going to have Hamilton out front. No. What do you think about that? No. No, 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 no. no. Okay. If, if, you know what? I, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Our, our plaza's fine. City Hall's fine. It, we know. They, here it is. It's, it's City Hall, Hamilton. You know what? If you can go out, Mayor Fred, and raise $250,000, immediately feed a whole bunch of people yeah. in the city that are starving. Right. Like, if it's that easy and that's... A, just go and feed some people. And I know what you're going to say, Scott, so go ahead and say it. No, I I, I don't have... I, I just think that's such a waste of money. I, I've got two issues with it, because I, 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 I don't have a... I'm an advertising I, guy. But I don't have a problem with the idea. I like the idea as a concept, because I also, I want to be consistent. I have lobbied that we should be finding private sector money and having statues of some of our famous citizens right. around at different right. places. I like that, that kind of idea. Problem, I have two problems. One... To me, it seems like way too much of a ripoff of Toronto. Let's come up with something that is Hamilton's, right. not just a replica of Toronto. And two, there's a big difference in who uses our City Hall forecourt and who uses Nathan Phillips Square. Nathan Phillips yeah, Square exactly. is a publicly used yeah. skating rink in the winter. Good it point. is a There's a reflecting pond or whatever right. you want to call it. People are milling around. Right. Who mills around Hamilton City Hall's front porch? Yeah. And do we want them milling around there? <laughs> Honestly, I mean, it's, it, it seems to me, if you were going to do this, let's, let, let's, for the sake of a moment here, let's say it's a good idea. My question is, why there? 
Is there nowhere else that would be more appropriate that you would do this? Hmm. Well, oh, I don't know where to go with this, but it could certainly be on the escarpment, like the Hollywood sign. That would be that would cool. be cool. See, yeah. that would actually be kind of cool. I got you, I got your attention, didn't I? <laughs> no, no, right at the top of the old ski hill. I, I think that yeah, that could work. Um, I I was thinking uh, somewhere along the Jolly Cut where we used to put Merry Christmas or yes. Happy Hanukkah that's or all collapsing or, now because of the rain. I know that's right. Yeah, that's apparently, an infrastructure issue. Apparently, our streets are the only place in the world that we're, melt in the rain. We're back to that. Our but, streets are made of chocolate, <laughs> but so, somewhere somewhere like that would be yeah. would be great. Yeah, and I don't know really uh, without being a you know. A, Cynic, but what is the point of it? Is there a point other than is it civic pride? Is it because I know there was a lot of talk about having a gateway sign, maybe some sign on the highway, mm-hmm. which I mean, kind of died, right? Yeah. That was two hundred and fifty grand again, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. A quarter grand. mil it fizzled. In, in some regard, that makes more sense that, because the it, argument there was it, people would be drawn to get off the highway and spend some bucks here, right? It, it definitely does. It, it plays to that old argument I had. I remember the city many years ago might have been. I don't know, 15 years ago, ran an ad campaign for the city of Hamilton and put all the ads in Hamilton, (laughs) put the billboards up in Hamilton, ran ads in Hamilton. And I'm like, what is the matter with you morons? Talk to the people outside of Hamilton, get them to come here and visit. But I I, I do like the, you know what? It's a brilliant idea you had. If you're going to do something like this, if you're bound to determine you're going to spend the money, do it in a cool kind of way that makes you unique and make, now again, you could say, well, it's not unique if Hollywood does it. I think that it, you could do it in a way that would be with a, like illuminated up on the hill. So wherever you are in the city, you can see. I think that would be lovely. Well, it also showcases our geography, which we said earlier in mm-hmm. the early segments, part of our infrastructure, you know, problem. But it's also what makes us a really unique and beautiful city. I mean, Hamilton's a gorgeous city geographically. If you're on the escarpment, that view from Sam Lawrence Park, if you're on the bay and you look up, I mean, we... We are a part of the Niagara Escarpment, and that's pretty special. So a sign there might help us showcase what makes us so unique. Jamie, what about, and let me go back to the point you made a moment ago, which was about if you can raise all this money, feed some poor people. Now, I, that is a, a appropriate and a lovely gesture, and I don't think anyone's going to disagree with it. I will say that I don't necessarily know that every single dime that we ever raise should necessarily not go towards something that beautifies the city, right? I'm not, I'm not saying spend every dime you get doing it, but I'm not saying you can't do things in the city to make the city stand out if you think that there can be some sort of long-term benefits or city pride or something. I mean, but again, to me, if you're going to spend this kind of money, it has to be something more astonishing or more eye-catching or more... I don't know what the word is, then simply just a thing at City Hall where right. you only go in if you're complaining about your taxes. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, I Again, I, it's all down to what is the specific idea and where is the specific place. Well, it's about it. civic pride. But I just look at this and I go, the mayor and the councillors go into City Hall every day. Who mm. else in the city goes into City Hall every day? Right. I mean, it's not a, it's not a, 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 a gathering place in our city. It isn't. Okay, the other thing, I'm going to take this off a bit of a tangent. I personally find City Hall architecturally beautiful. I know that some people say, tear it down, it's ugly. I find it quite beautiful. They better not tear tear it down after the millions they just spent refurbishing it. You like it? it? I agree with you. I've always liked it. I've always thought that it was 
just fine. I think so too. And I think in like let's say 25 to 50 years, it'll really be a gem. And yep. It will be iconic, much like the City Hall uh, in Toronto. That's quite iconic, that co- columnar yeah. design in City Hall. It gets better with age, actually. It, it does. does. The aesthetic gets better with age. But still, nobody's going to go there. So so the point so the, the point being, it's 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 a beautiful building, and now you're going to stick this sign in front of it for for an undetermined purpose. I don't know why we can't take pride in the in the architecture of the building just as it is. Like, let's have T-shirts and buttons with the actual architecture and put the sign somewhere else. Because yeah. it's not clear what is a sign trying to achieve. And you're, so you're saying it's about civic pride, and I agree with you. It's not going to have the kind of a uh, um, bang for your buck that it would if it's some other. But it's put somewhere else that we can really showcase and it, what's special. And, about and if you want to, if you want to create more events for people to come down and enjoy, uh, that's fine. Other than you know, people waving placards, uh, all dozen of them the odd time, which is great. That's their right. But um, yeah, I just I don't, I don't see it. Five lanes of traffic in front of uh, the city hall plaza. I think the city hall and the city hall plaza is enough when you're in five lanes of traffic to see it's whether beautiful. you're on a bicycle or in an automobile or on foot. It's just, but I don't know, it's different. Again, Nathan Phillips Square is not only a place where Torontonians gather, but because it's City Hall and everything, it's a tourist destination. Tourists will wander in and get their picture taken with the sign. I can't imagine there are a hundred people who come to Hamilton specifically to say, you know what, when I'm in Hamilton, you know what I have to see? I have to see City yes, Hall. Right. That doesn't happen here. We just, it's not designed for that kind of thing. And even if you want to see City Hall, you can't park there most of the time. So people will drive around and get lost trying to find parking and go, oh, forget it. I'm just driving on. <laughs> and so it just, it's the, to me, it's the entirely wrong place. I have no issue with the concept of doing something like this. And especially because it's private money. I got no problem with that. Let's just find somewhere that's, more bang for your buck than, than there. I'm just that's sitting here trying to think of some that's places. That's well, could we? Let's say with Sandy's idea on the, on the escarpment, if you're looking, and I know that we all have thoughts on the stadium and its location, but if you were to do it on the escarpment, so you're looking out the back end of the stadium, up the hill, and it was right there for the that TV would, cameras or something. That would be the nice long shot, right? Then you've got something, and, and that's, a great center, idea. that's the center of the town. You can yeah. see it from everywhere. Well, you could. I mean, there's you know, there's that white apartment building on the edge of the brow that we, you can see from the stadium that's been there that forever. That was Tom's mother's apartment. Is Tom that right? Wilson's mother, Ben Loman Place. Is hey, there you is. go. <laughs> you see, but we, it, it is. It's, it stands out. But I have um, one but yeah, that's request. A good idea. If we do this sign, whether or not it goes in front of City Hall or on the escarpment like the old Hollywood sign, can it just say instead of Hamilton, the hammer? I think that's way cooler, don't you think? Oh, I think that's a great idea. Just H. We gotta have we gotta have someone <laughs> we gotta have one of our local yeah. rap stars come up with something like Drake did calling Toronto the six. The six. We gotta be the, what? the nine. Why don't we get the a why don't, cool. why don't we get a Vegas sign? You know the the tr- the uh, diamond shaped sign that says "Welcome to Fabulous Hamilton" and have uh, lights around it and have that in Gore Park and commercials saying "What happens in Hamilton stays in Hamilton." <laughs> I love it. We need to get Fred on the phone. <gasps> Where's he, Fred he needs when to you hear need him? This. <laughs> huh? Come on, Fred, if you're listening, get on the phone. But I, Come know, on, Mayor. Again, I, I even will say, and we're going to go to a break <laughs> in a second, I even would go back to your point, and if, if it was so difficult to figure out how to get a sign on the highway, which to me makes way more sense, why are we doing this? Why not go back know. to the concept? Because I thought everybody was okay with the idea of the highway sign. It was the cost that we had a problem with. So I th- I, as I recall, everybody was pretty much on board. We just didn't want to spend all the money. But if you have the money, if you can raise the money, the concept was good. 
I, my guess is it's the same little conglomerate that was going to put some money together to fix cops or first Ontario. They got together, they had some money, their their request was rebuffed, and now they have this money, so they're going to... Do something else yeah, with it. Yeah. Well, Feed it says, some people. Right. According to Andrew Dreschel's column of uh, oh. yesterday in The Spectator, P- the paper. Uh, PJ Mercanti, CEO of Carmen's Hospitality and Entertainment Group, is voluntarily championing the project for Eisenberger, along with Laura Babcock, president of Power Group Communications. Yeah. So it's not there the same people who are no. behind the, the arena idea. It's not uh, Jasper Kajaski, it's, it's, it's others, but... Let's just, we don't, the one thing we don't want to do, I will grant everyone this. The last thing we want to do, I think, even though I'm a big fan of democracy, is throw (laughs) this out and say, hey, where would you like it? So that everybody has now a completely different view and we get into a huge argument about it because no one can agree. I'm, I'm, I'm okay if they want to raise the money privately in choosing where they want to put it. I would just hope there'd be a little bit of creativity, right? If we say, send in where you want it, it, like the LRT. That was my last time. Like the stadium, <laughs> like everything it. else, You're it becomes no. It becomes a huge fight as opposed it's to true. something about city building. Choose, go ahead and do it, but choose something that's sort of creative that looks kind of nice, that looks kind of neat. Don't just do a fallback and go, uh, yeah. oh, city hall. <sighs> I agree. That's and a yawn, by the way. One hundred percent agree. But and the one thing I do like about this, the, I find it a little bit tiresome now that all of our buildings are being renamed and there are corporate sponsorship opportunities and I know we need the infrastructure money but I'm at least happier to see that if it goes in front of City Hall it says Hamilton it doesn't say a credit union's name for example <laughs> maybe yeah, we right. can do that maybe we don't have to raise the 250000 it could be Hamilton by Pepsi exactly yeah. Yeah. all one big thing right, right. across the court. let's put some golden arches up <laughs> exactly let's do that yeah Hamilton with the M at the end <laughs> quick break back after this you're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Everybody remembers uh, the stories that we've heard over the last couple of weeks about the airlines, about the guy being dragged off and, <laughs> and all these things. Well, another one yesterday. So Delta now finds itself in trouble because there was a family that apparently there was a situation and the Delta person, it says, uh, essentially told this family they were going to go to jail if they wouldn't listen to what was being told and they got kicked off the plane and hmm. are are airlines getting worse or are we just in this in a thing right now where we're hearing about every single criticism of every single airline so it seems as though there's this volume does this always happen and we've always been okay with it and it's just now public so we're all bent out of shape or is this actually getting worse what do you think you want to go on that one yeah i'm I'll take a crack You go at ahead. That. Well, I think it is getting worse, but it's reached this little bit of a critical uh, point because of of cell phones. So I think mm. the whole idea that you th- this this behavior and these incidents now go viral. And so but I mean if you talk to anyone about airline travel, it's just not pleasant. It used to be that you you know you'd sit in an airline and have silverware and it was an elegant way to go and then with the economy and having to squeeze people into seats and then even I'm sure all the the idea about trying to uh, extract as much profit it's not a, a very profitable business I no. understand, right? No. So I don't think that the employees get treated uh, very well as well. So there's a whole everybody's by the time everyone hits the you know the the their seat in the air in the air in the plane they're already kind of irritated. They've either been delayed or they're crammed in. They paid too much. The staff are probably. I my guess is we don't know how much uh, how many requirements the staff have. So w- with the sort of the international 
terrorism and, and security concerns. We can't even imagine, like, every day, I bet they have another security regulation that they have to enforce and they have to understand. So it's come to this, you know, it's come to this, what's the word I want to say, like this culmination of all these factors. But I think why this is just spilling over into being viral is because of people Because people this. see the events and now then instead other of just hearing say, about hey, them. Hey, I mean, I saw one where a guy tried to wrestle, uh, you know, he wrestled a um, stroller out of a woman's yes, hand and almost I was another the one. baby. and. And the guy, actually, this big American guy said, I don't care what happened. You almost hurt a baby. And then he said to the flight attendant, maybe someone will be videotaping this, and this is going to go viral. And it's the funniest thing because somebody actually was, and it did go viral. That was the one where the the flight attendant asked the guy to step outside so they could scrap. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Jamie? Well, I think you said cell phones are a problem for the reason that that you pointed out, rightfully so. And I say cell phones are a problem uh, because they have a tendency to create some sort of a false bubble around people that does a couple of things when it comes to airline travel. Number one, people don't pay any attention to uh, the people that are in charge of your safety and running the flight itself. People don't watch the safety videos. I mean, that's up to you. If you don't watch mm. the safety video, you're... I've always figured that if the plane crashes into the ground <laughs> at 400 miles an hour, me in the crash position isn't going to help. I just yeah. look around to see where the doors are. Yeah. That's pr- primarily where I look. And so so you've got this bubble of, um, of individuality going right. on, which isolates people and suddenly prevents them from listening uh, to what's going on. And it's important, I think, to pay a little bit of attention when the flight's getting organized, when people are getting seated, when things are getting going. Um, that's just civil. Um, the other thing is we've got a, a terrible storm of a society that's developing into a entitled society. Mm-hmm. So every individual's entitled to anything and everything he or she wants at any given time. And the rules don't really apply to me. They apply to everybody else. Now, when you combine that with poor quality employees on an airline, the old, it's hard to find good help because it really is. When you, when you combine those two things, you end up with incidents like the one Mm -hmm. I think you're talking about, Scott. You've got people on airlines who have too much power and not enough common sense to well, go with it. And you know, the one thing about these- and That this, leads to problems like doctors getting hauled off mm-hmm. a plane or dragged off a plane. Well, and the one thing about these viral videos, whether it's on a plane or elsewhere, is I always wonder, because people always, they see it and they immediately freak out and it's all, you know, and, and in many of the cases, what happened was what you saw. But what you never can see in these videos the is the up. context, is yes. the lead up. Someone, why did, see, I don't walk around all the time with my phone camera on videotaping everything. So something had to make the person on the plane decide to pick up their phone and turn it on. There had to have been something that spawned or encouraged the person, told them something's Mm -hmm. about to happen here. Mm -hmm. And you don't see what that was. Now that could be the fault of the employee or it could be the fault of the person sitting in the seat, but it leaves out an essential bit of context. Maybe... And I'm not arguing for the planes. I'm not arguing against the planes. Maybe the employee seven times asked the person, would you please pick up your child and put your child on your lap? You as put your bag underneath the whatever. seat. Right. And seven times later, as the voices are getting up, someone goes, oh, this is going to be good. Right. I'm going to so turn on my phone. Them. And then after the seventh time, the employee goes, sir, 
<laughs> I'm going to haul you out of here by your ear if you don't put your... And then all of a sudden, it's employee, yeah. airline employee threatens passenger. I'm not saying that's the case every time, but I, we don't go... Uh, unless you're a cop with a lapel camera now, you don't go through life videotaping everything. Something makes you decide to start videotaping. Right. It I was agree. already a developing incident when right. you turned your camera. So I just flew recently to Jamaica, which was pretty awesome. And hey, I love Jamaica. Yeah, I did too. Jamie's <laughs> we'll there 12 times afterwards. a year. Once a month yeah, he goes I'm there, there 100 times a year. Oh, That's dear. Right. Well, if, so I was <laughs> Every on Every week. <laughs> but I'm not a happy, happy flyer. Like, I, I do it, but, I, you know, I'm not exactly. So I'm pretty aware that you're 35,000 feet above the earth. And mm-hmm. I don't mind be. I would rather everyone follow the rules. And if the if the flight attendant needs to scold me, I'm happy to take that because I realize this is serious business. Do you know it's serious? It is serious business. business. You're right, Sandy. It is. You, safety matters safety. and decorum matters. Right. And civility matters when you're in a little... Right. Uh, you know, aluminum tube at thirty-five thousand feet with a lot of say. other people right it, around. Yeah, you. exactly. So I'm here to say, I, not being a happy flyer, I see the flight attendant pick up the phone, look concerned, look up and down the aisle, and I'm like, on it. Uh oh, what's going on? And I was kind of nervous. And something had happened at the back of the plane, and then she came towards me with the beverage cart, and she said, uh, "I said something wrong." And she said, "Oh, we just caught someone." smoking in the plane and i said are you serious and she said yes i said in the washroom she said no in their seat oh, oh man and i said i cannot believe it and she said just another day at the office so we do not know the number of times they deal with this kind of in- yeah. insanity but jamie nailed it right off the bat and that is we are and i'll use we because we've all done it it's not that we're none of us we are so entitled and believe yes. that if if there's a rule Someone else it doesn't should apply be, to us. Someone, well, it does, but someone else should have to follow it to the letter of the law. There's flexibility with Where the rule. Where I'm concerned, I'm, yeah. Like, look, I'm obviously <laughs> not doing something really wrong. It's just a little wrong. And so it's not, why are you cracking down on me? But if the other person does it and it affects us, the, the rule says, that's what the rule says. Fic, make them follow the rule. And there is where you start getting into the, why is it always okay for me to do something, like we have to look in the mirror occasionally on these things. And again, some of these airline situations with the thing, I'm sure it was the employee who was out of line. But I, I, I start to wonder with some of these. And again, some of them are knobs. They're 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 not they're not not everyone's road a scholars. No. They're they're not. I mean, and, and they're probably I'm, under a lot of stress because they are. of the working conditions. They're probably very difficult, right? I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think they go, I think they put up with a lot of crap, and but I don't think they're well equipped to deal with a lot of crap either. I think there's a real kind of dichotomy going on there. It's it's strange. I, I'm just frightened that in <laughs> some American airlines, they're paying guys 18,000 bucks a year to fly those things. Well, the other Get thing me is, off this plane! You know what else I got to say? We got to go to break. But Give you know me else? a parachute at no, least! We were on a plane uh, not that long ago and they handed out peanuts. And I thought, wait a second, is this the only place on the planet where you can I want to fly that airplane. Because you know what's going to happen? Some, Some poor kid who's got a thing is going to go into anaphylactic shock, and they're going to own the airline because they gave out peanuts. Yeah. Anyway, we got to bring go back break. Nord Air. That's what I want. Out of Mount, Mount Hope. Come or, on. Or uh, or what was Nord the one? Air. What's the uh, Russian Nord one? Air, Aeroflot. Nord Air. Aeroflot. Aeroflot. Yeah. Aeroflot. Quick yeah. break. Back after this. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. BC, so school board in British Columbia this week has created something of a furor 
not surprisingly, when you hear what the furor has been generated from, they have decided, well, let me read you the letter that went home from the school board to the parents of these young elementary school students. May 2017 is dated. Dear parents, as Mother's Day and Father's Day approach, we have met as a primary grade one and two team to discuss our core values. In an effort to celebrate diversity, inclusivity, and nurture our students who are part of non-traditional families, we've decided to encourage those celebrations to take place at home. Due to this, the children will not be making gifts at school to give on Mother's Day and Father's Day. We feel each family knows the best way to celebrate with their own family. So Mother's Day and Father's Day are no longer along with Christmas and other things, are no longer allowed to be celebrated in the fears that a minute fraction of the students who might attend might find this difficult. And I'm not unsympathetic, but Jamie, I I hear this and I think, what, what do we leave? What is left when you start, when every single thing could offend every single person what is possibly left that we... Nothing, Mother's Day and nothing. Father's Day seems to me to be about the most benign thing you could celebrate. It's time that we started to offend people again in small doses to get them immunized uh, and and grow a little bit of a thick skin. I mean, I'm, I'm partially kidding when I say that because I think we need to... St- <laughs> oh, I'm not <laughs> kidding. I would, I would agree we, wholeheartedly. We, we've got to start... Um, this is ridiculous. It's out of hand. It's 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 crazy. We have gone totally off the rails when it comes to avoidance of offending people and being politically incorrect. It's fine once in a while to be politically incorrect. I mean, doing Mother's and Father's Day cards and gifts at school, that's a no-brainer. Just do it. Just do it. You're teaching about you're teaching about family. You're talking about loving your mother or your father or respecting them or appreciating them. There isn't anything that could be found offensive in that at all. And if you got two moms, fine. If you got two dads, fine. But see, they're not, whatever it is. That, that's nothing in here says that if you have two moms, that you have I know, to do a I'm mother just, and a father. But, it's but just, I'm just thinking about no, how people think, right? Know, see, Sandy, even I'm caught up. In Sandy, it. what do you think? I just wonder what they're going to do with all that used macaroni and girl. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I, I think that the idea, you know, of being inclusive doesn't mean that you should exclude things. Does that make any sense? So rather than excluding Mother's Day and Father's Day, let's bring everybody in on this. If if that's the reason they're excluding it, if it's that they don't want to offend people or they don't want to exclude people, you know, young children that don't have. I mean, it may not be that it's a, a gender issue. It could be that they have, you know, they're, they're widowed families or whatever the reason is. Let's let's make let's really work at this, and then rather than just say the easy thing to do is we're just not going to have it. Well, the- let's make it difficult. It, like let's work at it and bring everybody into the tent, as you say. You know, let's expand the idea of what Mother's and Father's Day is. Right. The answer is here. Agreed. From what I'm reading, from what I understand about this, is if for some reason, and you're right, some child who's in grade one or two at the school within the school board may not have a mother or a father. What we're saying is because you don't have a mother or a father, no one else is allowed to have one either because you would be offended. What if, what if I actually in the classroom then as a child, what if I innocently as a grade one or two in the child start talking about something my mother did? Is that also offensive? Should we say you can't mention your mother or your father in class because somebody who doesn't have a parent 
Thought might, crime. Might, thought crime. No, but uh, <laughs> is that not a logical extension it of is. what we're doing it here? Is. Yeah. That it is. you can't talk about your parents. Mom and dad can't use those titles when they come and pick you up. Hey, mommy's here. No, you can't say that. You have to say That's guardian. Jennifer's legal here. guardian. Yeah. yeah. Jennifer's here. Sam is here. Your, like, legal, your female legal guardian is no, here. No, no, Maybe not female though. Well, are you, well, depending if you can, your vi- guardian, if you can actually see who it is. No, maybe not. Your guardian okay. of indeterminate gender. Your transgendered. Not necessarily. Legal guardian. No, no, no. Of indeterminate gender that we don't d- make any judgments on <laughs> is here to collect you, to take you to your home, which may not be your home. Okay. Okay. You two are digging a hole that no, I am not stepping into. Come on in. <laughs> the water's fine. The point of this is, it seems to me, as we've said, there comes a point. And there are certain things that I can, I can, there are certain areas where I can say, okay, that there, there are some things that make some sense that it would be, you know, sensitive okay, sensitive to. to, but there are other things where you say, the, mother and father, I, I understand the new political climate, but mother and father, if you look at how we procreate and how we create, you still, unless science has changed in the last five minutes, you still need one of each to make a child. Even if it's not within a womb, you know even I, if it's in a test tube, you still need one of each. Biologically, scientifically, there is a mother and a father. You know what I think it is, though, too? I think it, I think it probably, if you dug a little deeper, you'd probably find out that, you know, doing the Mother's Day, Father's Day... It's just a pain the, in the, the butt the, for the, the teacher. Exactly. <laughs> the paper tie, whatever. It, it, it falls under the category of sort of an extracurricular thing. It's not in the curriculum. So if it's not in the curriculum and my union says I don't have to do it, then I'm not doing it because I'm not doing it. And that's that. Yeah. So it's not unclear what this Honestly. is. I, it's possible. And it's unclear what is this a solution for do you know what i mean and if it's a solution well, it's for, a preemptive strike against the possible offense that may or may not right. ever exist and it's, so it's a lazy solution for that do you know what i mean it's an easy write a letter send it home it's a lazy solution it and is a lazy solution you know, you're right so instead of having a child look all of a sudden the one child in the whole school board who suddenly looks perturbed because you're doing mother's day and they don't have one rather than then dealing with that Let's just obliterate the whole concept yeah. so we don't have to ever right. talk about it. Right. And so why is it then, and this is not BC, because I know that different school boards, we don't want to touch on Christmas or any other religious holidays. We don't want to touch on mom and dad. We don't want to touch on this and that. But we want to jump in with both feet into sex ed in school. That that we want to touch with all everything. We want to, yes. we want to inoculate and, in, and talk to our kids about every detail about sexuality but all the other things we don't want, that to me seems rather ironic, that the one thing that maybe mom and dad should most be in charge of talking to your kids about, the thing that's most I- intimate and most embarrassing, perhaps, that we want teachers to do. But anything else, no, teachers can't be ha- expected to handle that stuff. Teachers can't be expected to tell someone who a mother is. I could accept toning down, like, like I'm. first of all, I'm not 100% sure that every detail the way you just threw it out there, or the way you do, Scott, with your broad brush and your overgeneralizations <laughs> about things. But it is his show. <laughs> it is. is happening. But accepting that, yes, that's happening at an earlier age and they are discussing more things than perhaps we were exposed to in discussions in our schools when we were growing up, I think I don't have a problem with that because of these things again mm. holding Be- up your phone yes because because kids are so have such 
uh, access. This stuff is insidious. I mean, you can monitor kids all day long, and they're, you somehow they're go- they're seeing things, reading things, hearing things that they didn't hear when we were kids that are of a sexual nature. Um, and so I'm I'm all in favor of getting at it a little earlier because I just think we need to have the discussion Fair because enough, because they're getting it. And I'd rather them ha- get proper information than not. Fair enough, but you're telling me that a teacher, an elementary school teacher is better capable and better qualified and more of aware, more able to discuss in proper scientific terms body parts and genitals than to talk about a mother and a father. Because that's what we're saying. The teachers are incapable of somehow handling the difficult challenges of a child who may be having no mother or father. But I'm going to talk to you about the scientific usage of your genitals and your sexual organs. That I'm okay with. Your point is bang on. It doesn't make any sense to me. It just doesn't make any sense. We've said teachers are on top of their game. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a cop out so but they don't have it's a cop out so they don't have to do the macaroni necklaces and the <laughs> and the paper ties. It's I'm telling you that's yeah. what this is about. And they're using uh, a political correctness as their out ticket. Their get out of jail free card for to not have to do it because it's not in their contract. That's what this is about. There's always an undercurrent. There's always some BS reason why right. things are going on. Uh, you always have to read between the lines nowadays because the other par- part of society that's that's the, the, the trouble that society is having, and I can tell I've had the coffee now, is is about <laughs> being is about being uh, honest with people. People have a difficult time laying it on the line and just being <laughs> straight with one another. And you say to yourself, Sandy and Scott, why is that the case? Because they're afraid of offending you. We're right. back to the airplanes, right? No, we. Are, I mean, right. it's, we we are afraid of offense. And yet we want everyone... Or they're afraid of your reaction to them. But everyone I talk to, honestly, like almost everybody that I talk to argues that I am tired of political correctness. Almost everybody I talk to says... Because it's politically correct to say that. Maybe. But I really believe... No, but I really believe, I honestly believe that most people are done with it and would like more honesty, but, but they are scared to be the one that would step over the line of political correctness because the ax will fall on their head. If you step off the edge of that cliff to take a chance, you're the one who's going to get blasted. And so, oh, I better just go along with it. And so what happens? The few who are the loudest screaming the loudest continue to dominate the, the way we're going because you're scared to death. If you say anything in our society now that in any conceivable way now we wouldn't want people to be racist, but if you said something that may not be racist but someone labels you as racist, you're stuck with that. So what do you do? You, we just don't even talk about racial issues at all. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about gender issues hardly at all. We don't talk about all these hot button things because we're scared to death someone's going to bang us over the head and stick a label on us and we're stuck with that now. So I'd like to think that we has had such sort of pent up uh demand, if you will, to talk about these things, because we went for so long that we weren't allowed to talk about gender, race, we weren't allowed to talk about anything except what was considered to be the mainstream norm. So I I agree, in some way we swung really to the other extreme where now, you know, we're talking about it and it is like sort of the 
the the the, um, the it the is topic. the norm. It is the norm, but I would like to believe that it's a sort of a part of a sort of a sort of a life cycle of us being more open. That eventually it'll settle down. We'll come back to more a, a more balanced uh, approach to all of this. But that's what I feel like. I feel like, especially around gender issues, like that's what you know in feminism and some of the issues that women have fa- faced in you know in the workplace and inequality and so forth. It just wasn't talked about. So now it's now that we've allowed to talk about. It, it's like wow, we're really going to talk about it until we resolve some of these things it's going to be at on 10 if you will but eventually hopefully as some of these things start to be incorporated and to be normalized that we won't have these kinds of intense what seems like extreme uh, reactions to that's to, what to this stuff, is right? this is an extreme reaction that an administrator I'm sure got I bet I bet if you were to actually forget the macaroni thing although you may be right but I'm sure that what happened with this is one person complained somewhere or made some cryptic comment and they thought we better we better cut this off before we get an actual complaint and we have to deal with it so just nothing nothing and i want to know see if i had known this back when i was in school if i had been smart enough i would have said that i have a religious objection to all mathematics i am my my religion is offended by math i cannot be near mathematics and if you force me to take math that is a breach of my religious freedom (laughs) that if i had been smart enough i would have pushed that one i'd have been right in there with you i'd have been at bible study I am. I am pushing on that, that one. I am pushing that I am anti-math by by this reason right of religion. Here. Yep, <laughs> and it's uh, I, I. You know, I, I haven't got it's in the, the scripture. I haven't got no that math. scripture in front of me, but I'll find it for you eventually. <laughs> but it may take a couple of years. But I, I and I also need a ninety though in that course. I just can't <laughs> take it. But you got to oh, give me absolutely. a ninety. Absolutely, because you'll kill myself esteem otherwise. Of and course you will, and that'll cause me psychological damage, which will make me an unproductive member of society. So mm. please, and I will go home to my parent of indiscriminate P- description. Push me to through. Cry. Push me through. I can't fail. Digging that hole, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Back after this on the Scott Radley Show. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show weeknights from seven to nine on AM nine hundred CHML. Brightest panel in Hamilton Radio this Friday. Half an hour left before we send you off to your weekend, but don't go anywhere yet. We will keep you keep you going for another half hour here. Uh, starting with this, we're staying. We were talking about the school system a moment ago. We're going to stay with schools for a second, but in an entirely different vein. Um, Toronto Star had a piece out today. 121 Ontario schools are slated to close. A number of those, uh, including Robert Bateman in Burlington, are on the chopping block. There's some other ones. It's all to do with demographics, with geography, where you know there are a lot of kids, where there aren't a lot of kids, age of schools. There's all kinds of reasons why yeah. schools might want to close. Here's my question, though, honestly. Is it not time... If it's even legal, I don't know if it's legal, but is it not time to investigate the idea of just getting rid of, of of amalgamating the school boards and having one school board in this province? And here's the thing. I know there are some people right now, I want to just say this. There are some people who just about have an aneurysm when I say that, because they say, no, we have to have the law basically right now has all but prevented the Catholic school board from really being all that Catholic. You can't require the teachers to be Catholic. You can't require students to go to religion classes. You can't require really anything to do with Catholicism. You don't have to be Catholic to no, go to Catholic school. There's nothing that is yeah. truly Catholic about the Catholic school board. They offer the religion courses. They offer chapel or you know uh, mass. Yes, there is. There's lots of guilt. 
<laughs> but if you're not... You wanted controversy. If you're not going to have a clear delineation of choice between the two schools, if, it's, if there's no real difference between them, why do we have two? Why do we have two administrations and bureaucracies? If the Catholic schools were vastly different as they were when they first started and you were Catholic if you went and you went to Mass and you had all the Catholic stuff, that to me makes sense. But if it's all generally the same, why do we have two bureaucracies for these boards? There's a lot of money tied up in that. I don't know. I know that that we did not. So this is not... It's relatively new. I mean, that there's a two two school boards. I mean, well, I think since it Bill goes Davis. back. Yeah, so it goes back to the seventies. I would 70s, say sixties, seventies, yeah. and I, and at one point uh, there was a separate school board that only went up to grade nine, I believe, and that they didn't even have separate school high schools. So I, I imagine the history of why we have that in Ontario is very political. I, I mean, I think at the time there was a very powerful cardinal in the province of Ontario that was very closely connected, and it was all about delivering. Uh, votes, if you will, for the provincial government, and then subsequently all about delivering votes for the provincial liberal government. Uh, so it's, you know, it's it's religious entitlement, and it's a, and it's a ch- religious choice, but it's also very, very, as you know, I'm saying the obvious, uh, imbued in 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 party politics and provincial politics. I often wonder why did it stop there? I mean, if we really are going to fund schools that are religiously based, why do we stop at Catholicism or Christianity is what it is? I mean, mm-hmm. why don't we have, you know, why don't we have uh, Muslim-based schools or, uh, you know, schools of all kinds of religious-based choices, right? Like, Well, I think uh, the know, answer is if we were going to... Judaism gonna, is missing on their, right? If it was going to yeah. be starting now, yeah. it would never Good have point. happened. No, it right. would never have happened. And, and back then, you didn't have the Muslim population you did in the province. Right. You, I don't know. I don't want to speak out of my butt here. I don't know. I mean, you, I don't know what the J- Jewish population was at that time in Ontario, whether that was a large enough group to compare with the right. number of Catholics. Right. But And there was a lot of anti-Semitism back in those days as well. You know, there was, you know, it was, that was prominent mm-hmm. um, as is, you know, there, there's a lot of misunderstanding and, and backlash uh, about uh, people who are Muslim <coughs> but, uh, now yeah. that, that we that people are finally starting to get a little educated about that. But, but jumping forward, because back then, the Catholic board was very Catholic. I know and, what you mean. And, and now, if you were to go, if you were to not have a uniform on, for those who have to wear uniforms, but if you were to just drop someone into a Catholic school versus not, there are some hints there will be crucifixes up. There will be some things. I'm not saying they're mm-hmm. entirely equal, but the delineation between the two is pretty small. There's really not that mu- There are some. I'm not saying there's nothing, but it's pretty pretty small because the, the courts have basically said, you can't force. Jamie, if you want to go to the Catholic school, I can't prevent you if you aren't Catholic. Yeah, it's almost like... Uh yeah, yeah. Call it call it Catholic school if you want. That's that's fine. It's like keeping everybody happy. Uh, you know, that's where it kind of began. But yeah, we've got you know, we've got all these these rights uh, that have to be followed. These laws that have to be followed, and and so you can keep calling it Catholic school if you want. But it's really. But I don't even have a problem with the two boards if you're going to go back a step and say let's let's let the Catholic board be more Catholic if we want to do that. But if you're not going to do that, and I don't think the right. courts would ever let you. That's why I keep coming back to this. They're going to close 121 schools and there is so much money tied up in bureaucracy that mm-hmm. you got to think that some of these 
could be saved or some the education system could be better if we lopped off a bunch of bureaucrats. Well, I think you're always. Yeah, I think that's one thing that the two school boards could certainly come uh, come to agreement on is the whole idea of the of like the all those layers of bureaucracy. And I think that, you know, it's very controversial, but I think you're right that there may be an appetite to consider that now, given the, the changes in the demographics in, in, in Ontario, and also the idea that not, not only now within the public school board system are these, these two schools' choice based on religion, you're starting to see within schools, schools based on uh, types of, of uh, approaches to schools. So there's a SAGE program in, in Ontario. There's, there's, there's sports programs. Sports you can French, immersion. French immersion. French immersion, the baccalaureate. There's all these. Exactly. And in Toronto, they have uh, schools that are based on, there's, there's, uh, that are based on, like there's schools that have uh, a, a black curriculum specifically. So we're starting to see uh, these uh, schools of choice, but some of the criticism of that, what the, the, when we have these schools that have uh, choice depending on programs, what they become is these sort of segregated little pockets of schools as well. So I think that there, you know, we've seen some changes in this, and it may be time to to consider that. And I think that that, that maybe we could get back to the point where when we see schools. In communities, when schools close in a community, it's kind of like leaves a hole in the fabric of a community. And I wonder whether people would have more allegiance to building healthy communities where kids can walk to school as opposed to their allegiance to the fact that it's a, it's a can Catholic you, school. Can you – what an absurd idea. Can you – did you hear yourself on that, Sandy? You said – Build a community where kids can walk to school. I know. Are you out of your mind? Sorry, I kind of have these crazy ideas sometimes. What what, what kind of insane <laughs> radical notion is that? Yeah. Can you I, imagine? I was just talking to somebody today about that. That's why you got me. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we need... It's we, crazy we, that we, we don't, right? Exactly. Sorry, we, I haven't been talking because I've been on the phone to Children's Aid to, uh, <laughs> to turn you in. <laughs> But I want to say, we got to go to break here. I want to say about this, that just in case there's any lack of clarity over what I said, if you, it, when we talk about amalgamating the school boards, I'm not arguing that the Catholic school board should therefore, all members of the administration of the Catholic board should be dumped. You would amalgamate. No, and so I'm not saying fire all the Catholics. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying merge. let's merge and find one school board that we could do. I think Catholics, it's a great idea. It just doesn't make any sense to me now that there doesn't seem to be... Now, if someone out there is in the Catholic board or has their kids in Catholic school and can tell me that it is a vast, sizable, massive difference in how the schools are run between Catholic and public in significant ways I'm talking about, I am more than happy to listen to those. But I've been in both schools. I've talked in schools, if both, in high schools. There are some differences, but not seemingly enough now to justify, in my mind, two distinct administrations. Well, I, I, there's one other difference that we really haven't discussed uh, on on this uh, topic, and that is the the actual academic results that are produced mm-hmm. by the separate school that's board correct. versus the good. public school. Exactly. So there is a there is a difference, and and that's a pretty significant one to, to be talking about. But that does why that, is that the case? Okay. So does that not then mean maybe we should be taking all the Catholic administrators who are running schools that are better and replacing the public ones with them and amalgamating to bring up the public schools? Perhaps, perhaps. So, uh, so, this is this topic. You all, ask tough questions every no, time. This no, every time this topic comes Friday up. Night, right? Every time this topic <laughs> comes up, a bunch of people get not here, but a bunch of people get seriously rankled because it's a, one of those things you're not supposed to talk about. You can't do. 
I don't know why you can't. I don't know why we can't, can't talk about education. Talk about it. And I don't know why, even within this, even if you were going to amalgamate, Jamie, you said it a second ago, there's no reason you could not amalgamate. If we have sp- schools for sports, if we have schools for French immersion, you could have some schools that are Catholic-based within the system, so you still handle that. There's, sure. still, there's still that option for yeah, you. Yeah, you you want that? Go there. You can go play sports. You can You're go free play to music. Do that. You can right. go for drama. You can go for baccalaureate. Yeah. You can go for, cath- right. for Catholic. You can have, and we could. You know what? We could then op- open one for Jewish or for Muslim yep. as well. Yep. There's but no in, reason. Exactly. And, and I would say part of what we're not talking about is the funding, uh, the the provincial liberals and the way they fund these schools. I mean, they're abdicating this responsibility as well because it's not politically. You know, it's not politically correct, and they don't want to lose votes. And the whole idea is, well, instead of the actually changing the the funding uh, formula, they allow communities to fight it out amongst themselves. So you know how bitter it gets when local accommodation reviews happen in schools. I mean, we have them going on now in Hamilton, as you said. So there's some part of me that feels like, I mean, the provincial liberals have been there for a long time. They've kind of abdicated that responsibility of addressing this because the have money comes from the top, right? Yep, you, you're right. Quick break. Back after this on The Scott Radley Show. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Susan Claremont has just filed a piece at thespec.com pointing out that with very little fanfare today, the family of Angelo Musitano, the former mobster, mob family, who was gunned down and watered down this week, uh, they had a very small, understated funeral and uh, not the stereotypical funeral you would see in the Godfather movies or Sopranos or something with, you know, blocks long parades of cars covered in flowers, very small. But here's the question I have for you guys, because, and this is going to, this is going to, in some way, I guess, give us some insight into your, I don't know, your thoughts on humankind. I'm not sure how, it sounds very deep. All the stories after he was killed this week talked about how he was a changed man, how he was no longer the man who had been involved or who pleaded guilty to the killing of uh, Papalia and all that kind of stuff. The The stories were, this was a guy who had turned his life around. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that people can do that? Do you believe that people can become very different people in their adult lives that can move on, that can step away from lives like this and become new, nice people, or once you're on a certain direction, that's where you're going. What do you think? Well, we're talking about redemption. That's exactly what we're talking about. And I do believe that people uh, can turn their lives around. But at the same time, um, it doesn't mean that other people you know, have changed as well. And it also doesn't mean... So what do you mean by that? Well, it doesn't mean that other people, because you've, you know, people hold... Uh, a grudge for a very long time and there's no statute of limitation on when people can exercise their pound of flesh. So just Which because, clearly ha- seems exactly. to have happened. So I do believe that they, I do believe that there's redemption um, and in some regard, and I am not, don't want to sound religious in any regard, but I do believe in, that um, that probably there might have been some s- if he really did redeem himself and he really had found God and he really was on another path, in some way, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think that even the fact that he died, he probably was a happier, not happier, but he probably was in a better place then than he would have been had he been gunned down while he had not seen some kind of, had some kind of, what am I trying to say? That he himself hadn't found peace within himself, right? 
What do you think, Jamie? Um, on the question of can people be redeemed? Yes, is the emphatic answer to that. Yes, they can. It's that simple because I I think that if you um, you know if you believe in God or you believe in God, in God in whatever form or name that comes to you. Uh, at whatever time it comes to you, then I think absolutely you can, because I, you know, I definitely believe there is a higher power, and I believe it can come to you at any time. And I, and I think in this case, I think the thing I've thought about the most uh, in the aftermath of this uh, this horrible story is about his children, mm-hmm. and I think that. In the story mentions that he had three young children. It Very seems to young, me they're be yeah. under, under the age of five. Yeah. And I think uh, the arrival of um, the arrival of children in your life is is a very very stark reminder of how precious life is, and it and it's certainly symbolic in the <laughs> symbolic in a real way. It can clarify some things. Well, it 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 shows you it's it's a having children is about redemption. It is. It's yes. it's, it's new life. It's, it's exactly. but so many people you know, this week. It's renewal. I've, I've heard Grounding, so many renewal, people yes. this week express this view that oh sure yeah sure whatever he was a gangster sure he says that he's now a different person of course but he's the same that 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 has been i've heard that many many times and the reason i asked you guys the question tonight is because it seems to me that a lot of people have a view that there is a certain level you can get to of badness i guess at which point there's no turning back now mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not arguing that, for example, because you know who else actually claimed that he had become a Christian and had changed his life before he died was a guy like Jeffrey Dahmer. I'm not arguing that Jeffrey Dahmer became a person you want to have over for dinner. Pardon the well, you didn't horrible choice to, of you words. You didn't want to be his dinner. That was not, that was not what I meant. <laughs> wow. I didn't mean to say it like that. You did not want to have Jeffrey Dahmer over for a social event. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Especially but, when eating. But the fact Try is, the meatballs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, thanks. I'm not hungry. No, really. Try one. It's, but can you regardless, and this is, this is the question that I had all this week then from what the interesting thing to me, cause I have clear views on this. I believe absolutely. I don't care how far you go. It doesn't mean you, f- that someone forgets, right? right? It doesn't mean that we have to forget what you did in their past, but I believe that people can change. I absolutely believe people can change. Even people that we would categorize as really bad people. I absolutely believe they can be changed. But I've heard so many people this week say, no, it's all a big ruse. It's all a big scam. Of course he didn't change. He was the exact same guy. Nah, I buy it. I, I do too. I buy it. And it also means if you're saying that about other people, you have to l- turn that around and say, does that mean you yourself are, are stuck with that. the way you are yeah. for the rest of your so life? So if you make a mistake, you, you are own you, it. Exactly. And, and look, here's another example. Who's the guy? Remember the guy in a number about a year ago or less? The guy who, the drunk driver who killed the three, the grandmother oh, and the terrible, three kids. Yes. That was a horrible, well, you remember the story yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah, it's not that about. old. He was a developer's son or something. Yeah, a rich family's mm-hmm. kid. And a terrible decision, and a lot of people would look at him as being a guy who was a bad guy for what he did. And he did. What he did was horrible. Are any of us beyond the point where we could never make a bad decision and have a bad outcome? And if we could, would you say, you know, we were just talking about the plane and the responsibility and everything. Are we beyond the ability to change and be better people? And so I, I'm, I just find this fascinating this week that so many people seem so skeptical well, that a person could change their life. People love to be sanctimonious. People love to be judgmental. That's all part of the stuff we've been talking about throughout the program. 
And, you know, let's face it, Angelo Musitano had a branding problem. He did. You know, he was his. Well, his it was more bra- than that back in the day. It was well, a yeah, serious. It, yeah, he had a crime went, problem. Yeah, he had a crime problem. But but that's that's the brand that he carried with him. And and I don't think that from everything I've been reading lately, I, it doesn't appear that that was lost on him uh, in his efforts to um, change his life. Uh, he seemed to address that right up front, and I think that's part of uh, redemption. I just really feel sad for his wife and kids i just think this is uh what happened to him the other day is something that uh, his wife and his children now have to bear for the rest of their lives and i think that's terribly unfair and very very sad it's interesting that and you're right i agree with everything you just said it's interesting that there is something though that says you reap what you sow and it's not that, again, that is not me arguing that because you've done something wrong There's in something the past, to that too, sure. But your past, you, you do have responsibility for the decisions you made. I think you can change and be a better person, but that, again, that doesn't mean that, Sandy, if you go out and kill someone and then three days later you say, okay, I've changed, we don't say, well, okay, what you did then, that's yeah, gone. Yeah, it's erased. You that's do, right. You do have responsibility for your actions, There's, and sometimes those can have long-lasting Sometimes the reaction impact. comes much later. It clearly did. Years later. And in different forms. It can come in any kind of form. This guy could have been struck down with a terminal cancer that took him out in a couple of months instead of being gunned down in his driveway. I'm just using examples based yeah, around but what I, you're again, saying. I, 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 find it, I find it, when I was hearing it a lot this week, I found it very, frankly, very discouraging. So many people saying... There's no way that he could have possibly changed because of who he was. I don't, I don't believe that. I believe no. that everyone, to use your word, I believe everyone is redeemable. I really do. Yes. But it has to be by choice. And oh, it's not. Yeah. It has to be by choice. And I don't think it's an easy path. I mean, if you really look at uh, this uh, Angelo Musitano, I mean, really, he, in many regards, he didn't have a choice. He was born into this family, so he, it, he didn't really have a choice, the path that he was on. And he, I imagine that in some way it would have been easy for him just to stay on that path than it was for him to break free, essentially, and, and seek the kind of, um, uh, you know... Normal life. S- normal life, but even the whole idea of, really, it is hard to change, and it's particularly hard for him to have seen, uh, to have had lived this, found God, and to live this life of Christianity. He had, would have to had looked deeply into his soul, if you will, or do some serious self-reflection, and that is not easy when you have the kind of um, ugliness that he had to look at. So you have I don't to be think ready. It, it, yeah. yeah, you have to be ready for it. You so, you have I, to be ready for it. Exactly. And, and and when it comes, um, you've got to be able to open your heart and and let it come in. It, and it's it, not easy. You know that's it is it it is a very interesting story because this story because this is a much easier narrative for everyone to wrap their head around if Angelo Musitano had still been an active gangster living the lifestyle and someone just pops him in his driveway, that we can say, hey, that's fine. And most people, I think, again, most people are saying what I said before. You do have a past that you are going to at some point be accountable for. Yeah, you played with fire, you got burned. But that doesn't mean that you hadn't been a different person. That doesn't mean, and and, and again, maybe, maybe I am wildly naive, 
but I don't think so. It I is, believe people can change. It's a, you're right. Whether he did or not, I didn't. I've never it, met the man. I don't know, right. but I believe people can change. I do, and I don't think it was a convenient cover story. If that's what he was trying to do, I mean, I don't believe that. I, I really don't. It just because it didn't work. Let's put nah. it that way. When you got but three it, kids under five, but it makes you look at these themes of redemption and vengeance and good and evil. So you're absolutely right. Had he been right in the throes of his criminal behavior and this had happened, it would be sort of a typical story. But this is a and much more a interesting. And, and, and I'm, I'm a dad. I doubt very, very much that he would bring three kids into the world that close in age and be up to what he was up to in his past. I just think he was a changed guy, and it's sad. Let me uh, let me know what you think about that. Radley at 900CHML.com. Do you believe someone who even had the background of Angelo Musitano could change? It's a fascinating topic. I'd love to hear from you what you think about that. The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900, AM 900, CHML.